Would you rather lose an arm or never have ice cream again? Lose an arm? <laughs> You're lying! <laughs> A sleepwalking gorilla. People, people that have feet that aren't all screwed up. Are you okay? Are you alright? Oops. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? We are back with are back. a not not the normal episode. Uh, this will not be episode 77. This is going to be a Shaq special edition episode. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but this was this is not the, a normal episode. We're talking Breaking about news. one specific topic that's been scouring the internet, which we don't even have to talk about right now because we have a whole pre-recorded uh, segment with um with our old roommate maddie b yeah and, and we'll not, intro him we'll yeah intro and him. he's he's you'll hear it in there but we'll just do a quick you know coverage of the last last week since our last uh since our last episode right which was now probably like a week and a couple days ago yeah so um mike has anything interesting happening happened to you in the last week it's snowing Yes. It was a roller coaster of emotions because I personally love snow. Me too. And it was reporting that we were going to get like one to three inches. I was like, okay, that at least things will look, you know, like snowy, snow covered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we got moved to the three to six range. I was like, sure. okay. Trending okay. in the right direction. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the past, like three days, they bumped us to the uh, 10 to 15 range. At one point, we were 12 to 18 today. So it started snowing about noon. It's supposed to snow from noon today. It's Sunday, January 21st or January 31st. It's supposed to snow all the way to Tuesday. Yeah. February 2nd. Um, About three o'clock today, it was like coming down pretty hard. But all of the prediction things on all of our like weather apps changed us suddenly to one to three inches. That was it. What? And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And then 40 minutes later, it switched back. And now we're in the six to 15 range with. Isn't that insane? How do you not know it's going to be, if it's going to be six inches or 15 inches? Yeah. How I'm do you thinking it's going to be more from the maps that they keep posting on the weather service that I follow. Yeah. We're in like, I think it's, we're probably going to get about a foot, which is pretty yeah. exciting. I love it. How much I do you have right it. now? I would say about two inches, two and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so snowing like a bitch three. right now, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's coming down, which yeah. is, is pretty cool. They just um, salted the roads because it's really not that cold. It's but the problem that's going to come out of all this is it's very windy. Tomorrow's uh, real feel is like nine degrees. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so very, very windy, very cold. Um, yeah. with the feel, not the actual temperature. And so I hope that we end up getting a foot. I think that would be cool, especially because around here, all they kept saying was, oh, this winter, no snow. It's going to be yeah. a bad snow year. Yeah. And I know. Last year I, they said I, I heard that too. Stupid. Um, so here know. it, I woke up at seven or eight 30 this morning and it was snowing and there was like snow covering things. Wow. Like, oh, this is great. And I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm clued in. 
on the weather. So I knew that it was supposed to get really warm today. I wasn't going to stick around. And then but I thought I'd get at least a little bit more excitement out of the snow. So I fell back asleep. And when I woke up at nine 30, it was raining and like 35 degrees. And I was like, oh, so all the snow was gone quickly. Yeah. Well, actually, wow. no, it wasn't going that quickly. It was just like slushy and gross for uh, a while. Now everything's gone. It's 50 degrees here now. Really? Yeah. Crazy. That is an insane trend. Like, quick transformation of weather. I know. And I, I was looking at the weather yesterday and I was like, how is it going to go from 29 to 50 by like the afternoon? Lo and behold, they were right because it yeah. is currently 50 degrees and the low tonight is only 41. Hmm. So one update I do no want to give, I watched the second movie. Oh, I watched yeah. the incredible Hulk today. Yeah. I liked it better than Iron Man. My dad liked Iron Man better than The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Um, he thought it was a little too extreme, The mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk. Yeah. I, I think I, the Iron Man, I was too... It was too close to real that right. it made it... It was like kind of stupid good. to me. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think it'll get better with time. But yeah, I, like, I liked the second and third Iron Mans much better than the first one. I was fully clued in on it being like completely fantasy on the incredible hulk obviously right. because it's yeah. gamma radiation and that's not how gamma radiation affects <laughs> people yeah so we don't need to get into all that but um <laughs> and so i i think i was that's why i was into it and it's just kind of cool like the hulk is kind of a cool concept i think also yeah. i'm i'm sensing a theme that the military the united states military is always the enemy <laughs> is, is what oh that dude it, it is kind of interesting that like arms like the sale of arms from the united states basically just like that's a that is a pretty solid theme throughout not that the u.s government is the enemy or the military is the enemy but that they do the u.s will sell there are shady people that will sell guns to bad people Mm -hmm. that's like a pretty low-hanging easy to understand bad guy bad person thing to do is yeah. selling guns to bad people. That's like, so they t- took that as like the easy to understand for like someone that doesn't know anything. I see. Are these movies thing. also designed for children? Yes. Well, they're okay. designed for everybody, but it, it okay. should be able to be understood by like a 10 year old too. Okay. Cause I noticed that like romantic scenes always get to a certain point, but they don't go past a certain point, yeah. which I gathered was probably because of the target audience. Yeah. It's kids. Yeah. And it gets I, actually, it starts off like Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. I think we're much more kid oriented than the mo- more recent ones have been. Okay. They get I just thought it was funny that, <laughs> not to get into specifics, but yeah. I, I thought it was funny when the Incredible Hulk was like getting into a sexual encounter mm-hmm. and he had to stop because his heart rate was going up. And when his heart rate goes up, he turns into the Hulk. I just yep. thought it was funny. Yeah. He was like, yeah. Yeah, I need to go do deep breaths. Yeah, but I think <laughs> this. I funny. think the next one is Iron Man two, which Iron I Man liked, two, correct. which I liked more than Iron Man one, and then Iron Man three I liked more than both of the first two Iron Mans. So, so I'm cruising along. I mean, yeah, it's again, it's hard because it's like a, it's a more it's of a full commitment, commitment than like yeah. a TV show, but right, I, uh, I'm making making progress. Yeah, I found the same thing with uh, Peaky Blinders, which I don't know. Did I even say how much I love it since we recorded? No, I don't think I've even started no. watching it since the last one. No. I am fully in on Peaky Blinders. 
It I love it is a fantastic show, and anybody listening that hasn't watched it needs to needs to. Start. It's like one of the best, like, shows. I think it's it's yeah. a top fiver. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely for me. So because Jacob's watching it and he like texts often about things that are happening, I have also gotten back (laughs) into it and started from the beginning. And there are things that I'm like, holy crap, I forgot how good this show was. I will be watching. I already know I'm going to watch it a second time. Yeah. When I'm done. So good. The whole like environment, which is funny because they're criminals, but you just watch it. They're bad people. You love watching it when they're in you know birmingham and they're in small heath and they're like you know at the garrison and doing all this cool shit oh. it's like oh and the Dude. music the music of peaky blinders is one of the reasons it is a top five show oh absolutely the music is is unbeatable yeah it's so i've downloaded good. the uh red right hand arctic monkeys oh yeah and i've yeah. added it to like my workout playlist because it's i downloaded so several songs from like the from the show it's so good. So cool. And you can picture it. You hear a song from the show and you can picture the scene. You can picture yep. them like walking down that main street in Small Heath in slow motion with their coats, oh, you know, flopping in the wind. So awesome. Just yeah. like the culture that they right. have and right. that they like present is so cool. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a gambler, you just yeah. kind of. <laughs> True. You, it's, you, you feel you, it. You have to like it. Yeah horses and gambling and bookies and <clears throat> they really don't go into the specifics in, in the gambling as much as I thought they would. No, which I, I think that's what makes it even that don't more gamble. followable. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's easy to follow even if you don't understand gambling. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, anything else? Any other? Uh... No. So, well, I guess I'll just say, so this was a special episode or will be a special episode. We haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes yet. So we had a full uh, probably hour with Matt that we talked and yeah. then we did a hypothetical with him at the end. Um, but we'll have another episode coming out around Wednesday yeah, should be later this week. So, and that'll be back to the regular, uh, regular, how should I put it? Programming regular, regular regularly format. scheduled programming. Yeah. The, this the, is a special because format. of the circumstances similar to when we released a COVID episode. This exactly. is kind of the same thing as like, this yeah. is taking over the internet and we feel as though taking, taking over everything, the internet, yeah. the wall street journal news, people's Facebook everybody. pages, everything, everybody. So I will, I will be playing the whoosh sound and we'll get into that. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So obviously right now an extremely, um, cultural phenomenon right unprecedented unprecedented it's happening everyone's talking about it it's finance related me and jacob are not nearly smart enough to discuss this on our own and therefore we decided to bring on our financial advisor the most <laughs> important financial mind some say in our generation he's going to be especially a in in the shack sphere the shack radio sphere oh yeah so we are excited to have matt one of our biggest fans here Matty with B. us right now. Welcome aboard. Once again, by the way, for a yes. second time. This isn't your first rodeo with no. the Shack Radio. No. Excellent. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> the sure. last time we had you on, I'm pretty sure you were... Were you on the the uh, uh, trivia episode? 
You oh, this you is his third one. time. I think and where not to on. go in state college. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the last time you were on was, yeah. was uh, destroying the establishment that is Jim's Army Navy and walks towing in state college. But here we are. This is your third time. You're a professional at this. Dude, you're, you're, so, a reg- you're a regular <laughs> at this point. Okay. A, a couple things that I want to, to put out there because so I'm going to, I'm going to do an intro of the best. I know terminology is going to be off, but I think it's important to start off with a completely, this will let you gauge, you know, you need to explain things to like a third grade level of how this all works. I was going to say second, but okay. So basically I've done as much reading as I can to be prepared for this conversation right now. Uh, well, happening over this past week, but it sounds as though it's been building up for some time. Retail investors, everyday people that are throwing their money as as weight behind um, uh, shares of of company stock in companies that are just the fundamentals aren't there. Right, GameStop has no fundamental value whatsoever. I I forget eight quarters now of of losses i don't know if it's eight or not but you know amc movie theaters the stupidest uh company uh to be you know getting behind during a pandemic but that's not the point the point is that these are shorted stocks which we're going to need to go over the meaning of that but buzzwords only um and these retail investors are driving prices up which is helping them make money hurting hedge fund investors and it's become a huge talking point manipulation the uh, only talking point it's all the internet hedge, has talked about hedge funds for, taking advantage and upset that now they were got where are we what's going on that's that's where we're at and jacob he's he might be a little biased towards this because he's a little involved i'm a, he's a, a little involved i have a personal relationship with this uh with this trend and it's uh it's not a good one if we're gonna put it that way all right let's <laughs> but go but go ahead matt how did First, that sound can you, matt? can you explain to me what a shorted stock is Absolutely. And, and Mike, I think you did an excellent job distilling it. So Thank let's you. start there. So to short a stock basically means you're taking a bet against the company. So when you buy a stock, the, the term is that you're long the stock, you're long, whatever you own. Okay. To short a stock, the mechanics are you borrow the shares from somebody who is long, sell them in the marketplace take the proceeds, hope the stock falls, and then repurchase them, loan the shares, and give the shares back plus interest. So can we do that with an example with like a number that's easy to track? Because even there, I, I, I've read that, yeah. what you said, but I'm still kind of lost on the whole idea of it. I didn't know this was something that you totally. could do. Yeah, yeah. And so let's, let's just, let's use GameStop as an example. Sure. Melvin Capital... Okay. over late 2019, had been accumulating a short position in GameStop, thinking that the company would go out of business or at least continue to decline in share price. So I don't know their basis or, or what they entered the position at, but let's just say it was $20 a share. Okay. They could short the stock then, so borrow and sell immediately at $20. If it fell to 10 they could buy the stock back at 10, return it to whoever they borrowed it from, and they pocket those $10. And uh, so, okay. how was that? Fair? Basically, it just, <laughs> well, 
I, I actually think that short selling is an important mechanic for markets to stay either like the technical term would be efficient or just, I guess, well plumbed. Okay. Um, so I, I'm not against short selling and, and I don't think it's inherently evil. Now, like Melvin Capital clearly had really bad risk management because they shorted a stock that had a short interest ratio, GameStop, a short interest ratio over 100%, which is really weird. What that, that means, means yeah. is that, go ahead. No, no, no. You, I was going to say, it. what does that mean? Yeah. You were getting there. Sure. Yeah. M- means people had shorted the stock and then those people, so someone borrowed it, sold it, right? Sure. That buyer then lent it to somebody else. Uh, oh, so multiple right? layers of, to short of it. shorting. Yeah. And the reason that's really risky is because what can happen is this short squeeze. And what that is, is basically when there's a lot of short interest in a company, it doesn't take that much buying pressure or upward movement in the stock to derail the shorts. And here's why. Oh, okay. Buying a stock. Yeah. yeah. When you buy a stock, all you can lose is everything, which, okay, that sounds (laughs) obvious, but you can only lose 100%. When you're short, you can, in theory, lose everything infinite money because a stock has infinite upside. So if you short a stock at 20 and it goes to 200, you just have to pay $80. Exactly. Okay. So that's that's why why everybody was so pissed. Right. Right. The hedge funds aren't just getting screwed by losing money. They're losing even more money than they were planning on getting in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really, it's their fault because so there's there's a little bit of risk management that was was not done right. Basically, when you're the short interest of a company is that high, being short is or at least like to the extent that they were is imprudent. So, okay. a, a lot of these hedge funds have policies to only have positions maybe two three percent of their portfolio such that they're diversified. Right. But they still they're playing with fire there. Oh, hmm. gotcha. So. Did you guys see uh, the stuff about the guy who kind of started all this, who put like, like his life savings into GameStop? Deep fucking value, I think was and, his username. Yeah, and now has yeah. millions and millions. He has like of thirty dollars. million dollars of, of GameStop stock. Yeah, because it went up so much. So he seemed to have organized this, right? And he's kind of the the oracle on Wall Street bets, the subreddit. Right, right, right. So is that so market these... manipulation? Is that legal? Is what I I have two questions to legality. Let's start with the Wall Street bets part because, from my understanding, sure. a hedge fund, a brokerage firm, can't do what Wall Street bets did. If they if it was found that they were doing that with other brokerages in a in an effort, that would be illegal. I thought it was the publicity Correct. of it. So, like, because the brokerages wouldn't make it inform- that information public, is why it's illegal. But because I, I think I like read a tweet about it somewhere, but because Wall Street bets, all of this was public information and like everybody was talking about it, that it wasn't illegal because it couldn't be considered then like insider trading because it's not inside. That's my opinion. I, I, I'm not an expert on, on the law behind this, but I believe that 
most of this conversation was had in a public forum online that was readily accessible to anybody. And also, they're not trading material non-public information. They don't know anything about GameStop. Right. right. You know what I mean? They're okay. not they're not learning it from the insiders of the company. They just okay, were yeah. opportunistic. Yeah. So my question, my, my other question is, um, how has this, it's surprising to me that this has never happened before. Like the internet's been around for quite some time and public, right. you know, retail trading, you know, the ability to have the E-Trade app or, like we said, the Robinhood has been a center for conversation since this all started. This has been going on for like a long time, like, you know, three, four, five years at least. How has there not been this like huge, hey, let's all buy this stock to make the price go up and make money? That seems like pretty elementary. So that's an interesting question. And I wouldn't say it's probably it's it's not the first time a short squeeze has happened. There there's this famous story of how Volkswagen for a couple of days was the most valuable company in the world in I think 2008. Okay. So definitely short squeezes happened before. Gotcha. Now I it, I think it takes a lot of effort to coordinate something like this, and and the reason because is for that is is that for every buyer on a transaction, there's got to be a seller and and same the other direction there's got to be a seller for every buyer and and getting to like down the road this won't end well for everybody who's invested in GameStop stock everybody I was looking at the forums today and they're so happy they said this is life-changing money I've got a hundred thousand dollars or whatever tons of money in GameStop stock yeah, they're not going to be allowed to take that out it will be impossible for them to actually see that money yeah, not necessarily not allowed, but used to your point, it's impossible for them all to leave at once. I made an analogy. I was thinking about this in a way to explain it. Think of it like an awesome movie, okay? Everyone goes in, they go into the theater. It is so fun. It's electric, really good movie. They're absolutely pummeling this hedge fund that they've been dying to do. It's a really fun movie. And then it gets a little steamy and a little crowded in the theater. And and then somebody lights a cigarette and the movie theater goes up in smoke. They can't all go to the exit at one time. And so there's going to be bag holders for this. And many of them are going to be retail investors that really did need the money, but they decided to hold, whether it was to stick it to the hedge fund or thinking that the price would go higher. It, it won't end well for everybody. Right. right. So in my when Mike and I were just briefly talking about this before, it seems like the victim the victims here are, which I guess I'll say victims, people that are going to get screwed is, uh, is GameStop going to be one of those people? Like, will this, when they can't pay all the people that want to take their money out, will they get screwed and like have to go bankrupt? Is that how that's going to work? Well, it's not like a buyback, right? They're not buying back the, the shares. So they, GameStop, if I'm understanding that correctly, GameStop, right. yeah. the yeah. money that when you sell it isn't coming from GameStop. So but you can make there, an argument for, go ahead. I was going to say, if there isn't a buyer, like you said, there, if, the, if someone's selling, someone needs to be buying. If there isn't a buyer, let's say it completely tanks. We're, going, we're like heading towards like $10 a share and everybody's selling and there's like a run and nobody's buying. What happens to, where does, where does the money sell. need to come from? 
to when get- you click sell, what happens if there's no buyer? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I want to clarify one thing. This is all what you would call a secondary market like transaction. They're all secondary market transactions. The okay. GameStop shares are just being traded from people to each other. GameStop, it doesn't really matter to them what the share price is that much. There's a few things that the share price matters to the company. Um, one of them would be insider uh executive compensation is often tied to share price. It's not, that's not, I don't think there'll be a major event there. I've heard conflicting arguments as to if this is going to be good, bad, or, or otherwise for GameStop. One case for it to be bad for them is that they were hoping to sell the company to somebody, some enterprise, oh, okay. and now won't be able to because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. But you could make the other case that they might be able to raise equity like actually sell shares on the primary market from GameStop, issue shares to people at a high price and raise raise capital at a, at a like large lofty valuation. And, and that actually was something that Hertz did recently. They are already bankrupt, very strange, already bankrupt. And they raised equity in it, what you would call a seasoned equity offering hmm. and, and, and brought on money into the balance sheet, which is something that I think would make this whole thing comically funny because GameStop was left for dead, right? Like the company isn't doing well. If they were able to raise money at a $20 billion valuation because their shares have been driven up so high, I think that would be entertaining. So do you see this as a net positive for the company of GameStop? Like, will they be, it sounds like you're saying that they might be able to create some, some equity and actually benefit from this. Uh, I think it's unlikely and I don't think it's, I don't think it's good or bad for GameStop. Uh, it is like, interesting, well, though. We're in the news. We don't get any money. Yeah, I think that's. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably the most true. Okay, well, that's good. I was worried that they were going to get completely screwed by this. Yeah. Now I would I like wanna, to Nate, go ahead. No, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Well, to the, the the point of other bag holders, though, I'd say the people that own GameStop stock when it does fall will definitely be left holding the bag. But there's another group that I think people kind of forget about. And it's the investors of the hedge fund. And I'm not sympathetic to these hedge funds. They probably charge way too much money in fees. They, like Gabe Plotkin made $300 million a couple of years ago. I, that's not what I'm saying. But hedge fund money is generally from endowments for schools, large foundations, private public pensions. And of course, like high net worth investors as well that have access to this. But somebody's money was lost in, in this, like in their short. And so that mismanagement did hurt like, mm-hmm. well, Melvin Capital's investors. Not and necessarily. University, university ABC isn't calling them and saying, we need to short GameStop and we need to short this. And I want you to move the money here. If I'm understanding correctly, they give their money to be managed by these hedge funds. And so because of this, Everyone is anti-hedge fund, although there are people that didn't necessarily say, yes, we're going to short GameStop and we're going to take advantage of the fact that they are a suffering company, but rather they put it into these people's hands to manage and be successful with. And now they're getting screwed without having, you know, necessarily been a party to it. It's their money. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think they did probably by giving them their money, they signed off on Melvin Capital strategy, whatever it is. Okay which obviously they knew there would be like it, it Melvin 
it deploys what's called a longshore equity strategy, which basically means they they short stock, take the proceeds and buy more stock long. Anyway, they they they're long and short, and hopefully the companies that they own long do better than the market and the companies that they're short underperform and then they'll do better than the market. But obviously that's right. not happened with GameStop, something that GameStop. They've shorted it and it's way outperformed in at least in the last few weeks. Right. So I want to pivot a little bit to the um, the termination of or 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 pause or um, you know Robinhood saying, okay, you can't buy now. You can only sell for this period of time. Um, Yes. Now I guess I I'm interested in all aspects of this because I think something that also gets forgotten. And I know it's very different because this is a private company. But I mean, if you look back at in, in April, March, April, when coronavirus was hitting, we were breaking thresholds and tripping, you know, pauses of the market. It, it, it's not un, unheard of that all of a sudden trading is paused because of an extreme volatility to, right. as it was described on the news when that was happening. And I was kind of watching it let people sit back and take a breath for a second. So sure. I don't know about, you know, obviously there's questions to ethics and things um, of what Robin hood did, but I I'm interested to hear kind of your perspective on that whole thing. Yeah. The first thing I want to do is bifurcate the difference between a halt in trading and what Robin hood did. Those did are not the same things. Yeah. What is okay. that? I've never heard that word in my life. Explain the difference between these two things. Bifurcate. I'm putting that one in my back pocket. That's a good one. Sure. Okay. So Continue. halts Sorry. in trading do happen routinely when there's a very volatile stock. But what Robinhood did is they they said nobody gets to buy. They, they right. took the buy button away. And people are up in arms because 40% of Robinhood's revenue comes from a market making firm called Citadel Securities. And basically what they do is they facilitate trading on the exchange, right? So okay, they're a counterparty in, in, well, a lot of daily order volume. I've read it's between 20 and 40% of daily order volume actually Almost is trading. Half. Holy, from this company? Yeah, Citadel Securities. Wow. Um, I don't know about that. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I don't like that. I don't know that market making isn't inherently evil like somebody has to make a market it is an insanely profitable business so there's a pretty famous company called virtue financial and they're they're publicly traded actually they're another market maker and i think the statistic when they filed for their ipo was they made money like all but one day out of two years like every day they were making money and i guess one day they just didn't so Holy balls. Basically, real quick, how market makers make money is they they take the difference between the bid and the ask, the like okay, yeah. The spread from a buyer and a seller, usually a few cents, and they do that millions of times and make a lot of money. Now they do take risk, right? Because they're they're take like the counterparty to trades, but it's pretty well managed generally. Yeah. It seems weird. To bring it full circle to make money off that. Yeah, it's a very small amount. Lots. Why of times. is there a difference between the bid and ask? Because it's always fluctuating, right? 
Yeah, I so guess. Are they um, almost like an insurance? Are they like a, a way to make because it's so you know it fluctuates? Uh, insurance is a loose term, but they basically make it so that when you click buy and someone clicks sell, it doesn't have to line up perfectly. They make sure that things run smoothly by by taking that on. Yeah, that's probably fair. Okay. I think that's a good way to describe it. Okay. So to bring it full circle to the Robinhood thing, people are up in arms because. Citadel LLC, a different company than Citadel Securities, this is a hedge fund, not a market-making firm, was one of the two companies that invested into Melvin Capital like to help bail it out after oh. it realized they had mounting losses. So 0.72, like Steve Cohen's hedge fund, you might have seen that, seen yep. that from David Daytrader. Right. Uh, <laughs> and Citadel LLC invested in Melvin and so people are saying, oh, my gosh, Citadel Securities and Citadel LLC have some relationship, potentially. I don't know, actually, the corporate structure. It's not a good luck, though, regardless, that the, the company that saved the hedge fund that was short is, is the source okay. of 40% of Robinhood's revenue, so which they not necessarily the same company, fund. but related could be that hedge fund related. benefited from what robin hood did and robin hood has 40 percent of its revenue comes from a company that might be related to it that might be so it, it basically that like, bailed them out right. right okay so they bail out hedge fund. now okay i see where the i don't know is. exactly when or if melvin took off their short position That's that. This is another interesting thing. So hedge funds have to publicly disclose what their stock like trades are every quarter in what's called a 13 F filing, but they don't have to for short positions. And so there's no transparency. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just one of the rules, I guess, because maybe that'll change. There's a lot more risk in being short. That very well could. I'd be interested to see what comes of this. Well, okay, but I do understand a perspective to say if a company is short, if they're shorting something and they're holding it from quarter one to quarter two, and then they have to report it, especially now, Mm -hmm. if if a group like Wall Street Bets was able to continue to coordinate, they could then find these giant hedge funds and every time they report a short could theoretically do what is happening, right? Yeah. I agree. And so I think that's probably why it's not required to be disclosed. It is really interesting, though. One more concept that everybody on Wall Street Bets seems to think they've won. But my question is, why do they think that? Like, they might have blown up or really damaged one of these hedge funds. I saw that Melvin lost 53% of its, like, it was down 53% this month, which is insane. Jesus. That was their goal, yeah. I think. Well, so good for them. Money for each other. Yeah, but they like the game isn't over yet. The game of hot potato is still happening, and like these people, eventually GameStop stock will return to earth, yeah. and somebody who bought it at a very high price will be unhappy. Yeah, Absolutely. what about the people that bought in at $200 and put a lot of money in it and it goes back to where it was trading between 10 and 20? Yeah. So loss. I want to, there's like just one comment I have on this is 
There's a difference between value and price. Game the value of GameStop right, is probably right. ten to forty dollars a share, maybe. And and the price is much higher. And over the long run, value and price always coincide. Like markets do a very good job linking those two things. Right. And so right. I'll be interested to see that's what makes it efficient. A how long the gig goes on. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's it's that's, brutally that's what, efficient. It's required to be that way so that people can actually make predictions and get money from the stock market. Exactly. Yeah. Price discovery is just really critically important, but I, I, I don't know how long it'll go on. I think it's a coin flip, whether long. GameStop not, not goes long. up or down on another day, you know, you don't know, yeah. but yeah, people who are, who are holding the hot potato have to be careful to find it. You know, it's, it seems give like it it's up or, the, Find a way, a time to jump soon. It's the elephant in the room on like the subreddit is everybody's saying, hold the line, but nobody's spoken up and saying, Hey, well, I know that this says I have a lot of money, but I don't actually have a lot of money until I sell this stock. And that will need to happen at some point. Nobody's saying that. Right. I guess it's it's really actually, I think quite awkward. Yeah. Well, the problem is it's because, this is a fad, just like every other news story. Some I think big... a lot of people that are involved don't fully understand the extent of this risk. But I that's think. like, I think, I feel like it's impossible to have enough money to hurt yourself with a stock and not understand that you need to sell the stock to have money. That if yeah. you have what? shares, yeah. that does not equal cash that you can spend at the grocery store or right to pay your rent that, that you mm-hmm. can't you can't do that you can't say hey i have 200 gamestop shares landlord will you right. take this totally right yeah there's a lot of unrealized capital gains here but who's to say those are gains forever it's a little bit right. like the lottery in my i feel like because it's the the giant huge benefit for the few coming at the cost of small amounts of loss from the many the very many i I for example i paid some other dipshit (laughs) that bought amc stock (laughs) with my because i bought it probably i think at its actual peak (laughs) because everyone was saying so i i spent 80 dollars on am in however many shares that i think it was five shares of amc and i bought it at like 16 and almost immediately it dropped to like 10 and i was like oh my god i can't well not really at the same time i was like of course this happened i like i wasn't surprised (laughs) if we want to put it that way and it hasn't come anywhere close to 16 since then so i sold at like 10 i think and lost like 40 dollars or whatever whatever i sold at to make me lose 40 dollars and i was like well that was fun that was a fun like two hours that i just had there that I just spent. Yeah, but imagine on. if those numbers were like 100 times that, which some people are doing. They've YOLO'd yeah. their college fund of $60,000. I don't think, I think there's a lot of people that need to take a lot of risk off the table. Completely agree. That's my opinion. My last question is, um, what do you, do you think, so Robinhood, um, just to go back to it, Robinhood said like publicly that, or I guess inferred, that what they did to remove the buy button was to protect their retail investors. 
and not let them put money right. into something that's going to go down. Do you think that that was, sure. in your opinion, do you think that was their actual motivation or did they get pressured by Citadel to do that? I, I don't think that was their actual motivation. I'm not sure it was necessarily as uh, malicious as being pressured by Citadel. Okay. I, 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 their explanation was that their clearinghouse required collateral that they couldn't put up. But then in the same breath, the CEO of Robinhood said that there was no liquidity problem. And I'll let you know this, Robinhood raised another billion dollars of equity from their venture backer, Sequoia Capital, because they needed money like pronto to put up as collateral to their yeah. clearinghouse because trades clear two days after they've been executed. Right. And so there was some untruth there. I, I think what it was is that they said, in my opinion, this is just conjecture, they didn't have the money to put up for the clearinghouse and then therefore were Ill, like insolvent in that moment, not necessarily like the business was on imminent collapse, but right, but right, they, they, I think removing the buy button was, in my opinion, a really bad business decision. But I think their hands yeah. probably were tied. Okay. Also, so, what are we going to do I, in three and a half minutes when this meeting ends? Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, oh, hold on. I have one thing to add, and then we will. Uh, so, uh, this is again me just throwing my opinion in to kind of close this part of the conversation off. There's nothing I dislike more, and I this might be controversial. There's nothing I dislike more than the Big Brother complex when someone decides that they now have to absorb my risk because right. they feel as though, and and I guess this goes to do the people that are involved truly understand the risk that they are in right now, but I think that there is there has to be some sort of accountability of it is your risk. Whether you yes. get it or not, you are involved in something that is inherently your absorbed risk. It's not on Robin Hood yeah. to protect you. It's not on anybody to protect you. And I think that that is where I think that Robin Hood made a mistake. But I also think that I think that there are people that are, are missing the point and are missing. Right. There are people that if they got screwed or when they get screwed, when this all goes south and they get screwed, are going to blame someone else and not themselves for the yeah. lack of accountability in the situation. I agree. By entering the trade, you've consented to losing all of your money. Right. All right. I think this has been extremely helpful uh, from someone that has very little understanding. I've read a lot. Um, I am a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal. I think they have been Jesus. much more impartial than I expected them to be. Oh, about this. Um, because of their readership, right? Oh, um, I expected them good. to be. I, you read other things in the journal. They have a an advertisement for a ten stop around the world vacation that starts at ninety nine thousand dollars per person. Excuse uh, on, me. Yes, absolutely. Ninety nine thousand dollars for a vacation. It's the per person. It's those kinds of things that you would assume that the Wall Street Journal would have a very specific take on this, and I do think that they have. I mean, I read an article in the weekend edition for this week, and this was likened to um, QAnon, storming of the Capitol, um, and they call it internet <laughs> this, frenzies. I was going to say, was this a terrorist attack on Wall Street? Which is, is kind of how this article portrayed it. 
Right. It, it was more of an opinion piece, but I think a lot of the way that it's been reported, and maybe I'm wrong and I'm just reading it incorrectly. I don't know. I'm interested in your take on that. But then other than that, um, I'm interested in kind of your final thoughts, Matt, things that you think people should take away from this uh, event, conversation, et cetera. Sure. Well, I, I think one of the lessons is that distrust in experts has now made its way into markets. You know, you, I think we've seen that trend percolating over the last <laughs> decade and that's definitely happened. You know, wall streets, most influential hedge fund managers now seem to have less, you know, followership and faith in them than previously right. thought. So yeah. that's one trend. I think like, like you were saying, Melvin, you, you said that they reported like 40 something percent loss. Yeah, I think point. 53 this oh, yeah, month. 50, yeah, yeah, 53%. Well, long term for them, if I'm a person who just came into some money and I want to start, you know, professionally investing, I'm probably not going to choose Melvin as my, right. as my, the company that I want to do that. I think yeah, fair. they are going to get kind of, kind of screwed. And it's nice that at least it was partially their fault. I know the the narrative has been like, oh, fuck the hedge funds, fuck all those, you know, rich investors. But like you said before, a lot of that money's not coming from them. They're not the ones that get screwed. It could be endowments and stuff. But at least they had did something wrong by, like you said, having not enough risk management that they are now getting punished for, not just like picking from a hat and they happen to get screwed and they didn't do anything to deserve it. You know, I think that's fair. Yeah. Which I mean sure 53 percent loss this month for a company not good pretty much no matter what you do this is a tough month <laughs> that's kind of a, a that would be very difficult as someone who who works for a company that is you know focused on on profits i yeah. would be very sad as an employee and probably fearful for my job <laughs> i think the reputational yeah. loss might be worse than the financial exactly. loss yeah but and then anyway. they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go bankrupt or complete they're change their name or something nobody's gonna <laughs> want to use them what risk do we face moving forward? Well, I, I think I think markets probably will move faster than they ever had. And I think you'll see that in drawdowns like we saw in March. We shaved 40% What's a off of the market. It falls, declines. Oh, a bear market. Yeah. I think that could happen faster than ever before. And I think the run-up will happen quickly as well. And I think the other thing is there'll be pockets of irrationality in markets because of this. So you'll find stocks that are trading much higher than than their intrinsic value. But the tough thing is there's really not a great opportunity to trade on that because there's this quote that I really love by Keynes, the economist, and he said, the market can stay irrational much longer than you can stay solvent. Hmm. Stated differently, everybody in the world knows that GameStop isn't worth $300 a share, but shorting it is a risky bet. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say that I, I supported GameStop by buying an Xbox from them just about a month ago. So sure. if there was a little uh, little spike in uh, in their share price around December <laughs> 24th, that could be me. Excellent. Additionally, to kind of take all of everything that we've said out of it, it is kind of cool to think of a, the, the, a couple of average people, everyday people that go to work, 
you know, put bread on the table concept, right? Um, the common man, if you mothers will. and fathers, um, you know, all that kind of stuff that went out and like ended up that now they have money that is life changing. The people that yeah. did sell, the people that did, you know, <laughs> there are people that will be, their lives will be significantly changed in, for the positive because of this, which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Obviously, there's all these other aspects, but I think that's kind of cool. There is something neat about that. Uh, I also find it slightly that. ironic that Robin Hood is named Robin Hood. But oh yeah, we never even touched that. There's a great irony there. <laughs> there yeah. is. If One there... disclosure: I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Yep. Yep. Uh, right. I do not know the direction of of GameStop or the market in any given day, and so you know, I, I'm not recommending an investment in any other way and also i have no vested interest i'm not a shareholder of gamestop so i'm unbiased here Good. would you like us to add that at the beginning i don't know if you want the disclosure before you start saying what you say uh, either way i think matter. end is fine yeah legally, okay. legally fine. he's fine if it's at the beginning or the end doesn't matter you gotta he put that in there you yeah. said it as and long as it's there i call you financial advisor tongue-in-cheek but i see i probably shouldn't do that no it's more <laughs> of a it, it's someone that i trust because he is highly intelligent in these things that I, I trust you to be able to educate me. Yeah. Matt, just I'll tell you in, what. in terminology uh, alone, but you know, if I came into some serious money, you might be one of the first people I call. Let's put it Good. I, I I'll hope never to be forget. able to helpful. Yeah. I'll never Speaking. forget when uh, Jacob said, I'm going to buy a stock in such and such company. And Matt oh, turned his head as though Jacob had just cursed his mother and said <laughs> a share. It's a share. <laughs> You don't buy a stock. <laughs> oh, man. But you're right. Come into a large sum of money. Speaking of one which. Of the, one of the first people I'd go to. So we're going to do a hypothetical. I know we didn't say it uh, earlier in the episode, but we're, Matt, we're happy to have you on for a hypothetical. And it, it's, you know, fitting the theme. It's about money. Sure. Uh, and we'll have you go first with your answer. Okay. Um, so Can I set you, the scene? Sure, please. Okay. It's it's January, mid-January 2021. I decide to join Reddit for the first time. And I'm reading this thing called Wall Street Bets. And they're talking about this game GameStop business. And I'm going to buy stocks. I don't even know that you call them shares. I'm going to buy <laughs> stocks. So I put $200,000 of my money into GameStop. $500,000, whatever, whatever the math plays out to be. And all of a sudden... January 31st, 2021, today, I now have $250 million. I've sold, I'm out, $250 million after capital gains. I have $250 million liquid. In my bank okay. account. What are we doing? What do you do? You can take this both in a, in a recommendation as well as a just personal, what are some things that you would, because you're one of the thriftiest people I know. Yeah, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you spend it on? That's a great question. I'd like to think I'd be a little bit philanthropic. Oh, maybe that's yeah. good. Maybe okay. buy some nature start. reserves. Oh, yeah, that'd be really nice. I think buy up some public lands and allow mountain bikers and runners and skiers to flourish. That'd be fun. Sure. Give us some. Ooh. Give us some so, numbers just for the playful aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think we'll put fifty million dollars into Byerly National Forest. 50 mil. Holy shit. Okay. I mean, yeah. I guess that's he a is a fifth. philanthropic man. 
Yeah, clearly. Well, Dang. my math says that if you put the money into the market, you can withdraw about 4% of it every year without touching the principal. So let's say you put $100 million you know, into risk assets and you withdraw about 4% a year. You, you can spend $4 million a year on and whatever you want. For infinite time. And you just, you have, yeah. you have done nothing. And you would to never touch that money. hundred million. Yeah, sure. I think I'd keep a job. I think there needs to be some, yeah, some work to do, but I'm going to live in a different villa every month for the rest of my life. Oh, oh, really? Every I, month see, you wouldn't own anything and no home. Never no own a property. Ownership. I'm always going to Airbnb. Really? I'll be a vagabond. Yeah. No, pro- no property and ownership. I, that's fascinating. I, I don't, you know, I don't think I need real estate, but I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'll know every city like the back of my hand. I think that would be really. So you want to travel? You want? You think travel will be your your main uh, expenditure? I think so. I think travel, travel, and philanthropy. I think what else can you do in life? Yeah, you know? Working for right. a company in Eastern Standard Time while you're living your month in Sri Lanka is going to be. <laughs> that will Fair. be true. You will. Be you know, the, least... the first place I think I'd go is Seattle. That's it. Go and start. Really? Simple. Yeah, Seattle. That's wow. Interesting. I've never been. I'd love Neither to go to Seattle. Have you ever been out west? Yeah. yeah. I have been out west. Beautiful out west. Yeah. Where'd you go yeah. in out west? Where'd you go out west? So I've been to Utah with the Boy Scouts, and that's sure, an interesting sure. experience. There's a lot of um, members of the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons in, right. in yeah. Yeah. Utah. In Utah, yeah. Yeah. They do frequent that. Not area. a Mormon, but, you know. <laughs> you met a few Mormons. Their own. They seem like nice people. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and uh, my family did a architecture. Sure, road trip. We did a road trip out in Colorado. That was nice. Oh, very nice. cool. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you a few other fun things I'd spend money on. Sure. Okay. Ooh, I'll get a you, new. Go ahead. Would you give any money to anybody? That's oh, a good that's question. That's question. that's like that's what the other thing I wanted to ask because that was kind of like what's inspired this hypothetical. I. I don't know if I'd give money. I think I'd give good gifts to people always, but that's a can of worms. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Like, you know, people close to you would be like, Matt, if you won $250 million and I didn't get anything, I'd be a little expect a million. (laughs) People would think that I might, I might maybe 5,000. I expect nothing from you, Matt. That's the thing. I expect you to buy our joint uh, cabin. That's on you now. True. True. Yeah. I'll pay some taxes or something, (laughs) but. You just won $250 million. I, mean, I think it'd be hard, challenging though. to be that wealthy. Yeah, because you don't know if your friends want you for you your money at that point. Right. I know. Then you'd be, all well, these people would just be Just remember in case in when this happens to Matt, because if anyone has the potential of this turning real, it's 100%. It's true. If anyone's going to be a millionaire, if we, we should have taken bets. Or I guess it's not too late now. We have like a, like a millionaire uh, pool, kind of like our death pool. Like, That's a great idea. Yeah. First one to have net assets reach a million dollars. Love that. Okay. Oh, that would be, that All would right. be really cool. We can talk about that in the next Shack Zoom. But Matt Matt looks shruggly at the camera because he's already he's there. Like, Fuck, it's going to be me. Already yeah. there. Not yeah. already there. <laughs> um, but just remember, Matt, wow. we're here now. We got you now. True. Matt, sure. We love you before you're a millionaire. You could be worth three pennies and it, <laughs> One of the best friends I got in life. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. I love you boys, literally. Oh yeah, Wonderful. I love you too. All right. What would you guys spend the money on? What's where's where's the two hundred fifty million gone for you, you men? Go ahead, Jacob. Uh, so I would I would buy two houses. 
One of okay. them somewhere uh, on somewhere uh, on a decently sized property on the beach in Florida. And probably Florida. I would buy a, like a, like build a house, a big ass house. I'm talking like, I'm going to throw down like probably like 12 to 15 million on this house. And it's going to have mm, 10 rooms, maybe 12 rooms so that right. anybody that I'm close with can go whenever they want for free and spend time with their family there. And even if there are overlapping, it won't matter because there are so many rooms that you could choose not to see anybody if you don't want to. I love that. Or you can bring everybody that you know and all have fun and spend, you know, get 50 people, 50 of your closest friends and all go. And, you know, as many people as you would want to go to the beach with can go to the beach with you. And then the exact same thing on probably, probably like out West on like right on like a ski slope. To yeah. Do, to do with, for, the, for the same idea, to do the same thing. And I think I you need to pay, peruse. I'll pay for plane tickets too, if anybody wants to go. I love that. You got to peruse Zillow a little more. There's some houses that you described exactly that in the r- most random places. And oh, it's, I bet. Yeah. It's very fun. Kristen and I talk about this from time to time, perusing, you know, she, nice houses on Zillow. <laughs> she is, she can find something on Zillow quicker than I can find most things anywhere. In my I, quicker than I can find my phone in my pocket. Kristen is impressive <laughs> at her Zillow skills, and I I did know that you you share that talent. Of and Mike, where are you, where are you going to deploy the cash? Sure. Um, I I also have an idea to be philanthropic. I personally have a I don't know why, but I really feel a connection to food banks. I think that they are like, and I think endowing food banks is an incredible thing because the impact is is kind of like exponential. Better not go to Melvin. No, no. But I'll pick someone else. Nope. <laughs> nope. But I would, I would probably endow the food bank of like Cherry Hill, where I'm from, of Philadelphia, and probably State College, places that have impacted me and my life. Um, so let's, let's throw, I don't know, 50 million aside for that. I, I love the number. Matt inspired yeah. me. Yeah. I um, love the idea of the hundred million uh, aside for $4 million. And who knows? Oh, maybe yeah, that, I maybe think we have some be... good years. You get more than 4% out. I'm going to mean. take that. I'm going to take that as well. That will be um, how I live my life. And I think I would four, probably, four I would uh, buy a house in this area. Cause I, I, I just love living around here, but uh, an extravagant house. There's some neighborhoods around here that we could go, we could go big. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure have a nice, have a nice move there. Um, and I think I would probably, so I, I like the idea of traveling, but I, I couldn't, I don't think my personality could be always on the move. I would need like a home and then could travel around. Yeah, I, think I don't I think would I would work. I think, you know what places. I would do? My work would be, I would open a brewery. I think that's my oh, dream boy. is to become a brewery owner. And I know it's an extremely saturated market, but like when me and Kristen just like talk about things that we would love to do, that's always yeah. what we say is like, we would love to open our own brewery and have you that. You've got to... basically unlimited attempts at it if you have so much money. <laughs> right. Would you want to buy a brewery or make no. a brewery? No, open our own brewery. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would, with that kind of money, I would go and take classes from the best brewers in the world and learn how to do it Irish well and come up with some great ideas. Sure. 
come up with some great ideas and open a brewery and run with it. That's, I think that's what I would do. I have a question, Matt. Are you excited to drink some beer? And pay yeah. off some debts. Sure. Um, so student loan, of course. I'm sure you've seen the Twitter accounts. They're like, uh, will, will Bill Gates solve world hunger today? with like 5% of his net worth or whatever, like the stat is there's, there's Twitter accounts that are like that where like, oh. that's the name of the account. And then it just says like at the end of the day, like, no, every day at the end of the day, no, <laughs> or something. So yeah, I've always wondered like, how, how was the, how was the number decided on solving world hunger as far as money is concerned? I guess that's more of a question, not for, for from a financial perspective, but from like a logistical, uh, maybe supply chain perspective? I think you could answer it kind of financially in the sense that, like Mike said, with endowing food banks, if, right. if they've got enough money, like such that they've got, you know, an infinite time horizon and only have to withdraw some percent a year, such that everybody is fed, then I guess that's the, that's the amount. Now, of course, it's tough because I guess populations like increase, but yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. That'd be a great like consulting uh, case interview question. You know, how much money would it be to solve world hunger, or how many ping pong balls could you fit inside of a seven thirty seven airliner? They love asking these kind of questions. <laughs> really, I think it's supposed to discover how you think, but you know, I'm not sure these are that productive of questions to be asking. Is that a question you would ask somebody if you were interviewing them? I think I gotta ask them why they're a good cultural fit and if they're good at you know Excel or something. <laughs> yeah, those are probably more important. Yeah, I'm big into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, no, no, uh, no funny business. Sure. I have a, sure. an interesting thing uh, to ask you while while you're on here. Do you know who or what entity owns the most farmland in America? No. Is this trivia? Yep. Who or what entity owns the most farmland per by acre acreage of farmland in America? Warren Buffett. No. Damn. I was gonna say I don't know. Um, Does it matter what the farmland is for, or do you mean like Purdue? Maybe I don't know. No. Yeah, not sure. Bill Gates. That was my next guess. No way. Riddle me that one. So does he grow? Riddle me that one. Does he grow he food the, on it? He, I don't know the specifics, but Bill Gates owns the most farmland in America by acreage over anyone else. And it's oh, not just. Is he land. somehow capitalizing on these subsidies because he's not planting anything? <laughs> there's a there's a similar uh, thing that happened here in in my local area. John Runyon was a football player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Lived in my congressional district ran for congressional district and it was found that he had bought two alpacas to live in his backyard so he could register his home as a farm <laughs> and and gain a tax tax break for uh, being a farm where really it was just a mansion that happened to have a small pen in the back for two alpacas <laughs> uh, but yes uh, i don't know why or the specifics of bill gates uh, farmland ownership but i I found that out this weekend and I found it quite interesting that Bill Gates is the uh, owns the most farmland by, by acre. Hmm. We're going to need some investigation on that. That's, that is really something. <laughs> That's something so doesn't weird. seem right there. I'm just saying, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, he's not known for his farming. 
<laughs> he, he's no Jimmy say, Carter and Peanuts. People Let's don't say, say Bill that. Gates the farmer. No, no, no. That's funny. Um, cool. All right. I, I think guess, this was fun. I guess that'll do it. Thank this is very, much, very fun. I had sure. an absolute ripper of a time. This was excellent. This is very exciting. I'm Matt, very This went exactly how I hoped it would. Uh, the, you provided the exact perspective that I've been waiting for in this in this whole shebang. So I hope people so enjoy glad. it as much as I just did. Oh, awesome. I, I really am looking forward to the next time I'll come on. Thanks oh, guys yeah, for sure. having me. Well, let's just hope that it's not some other, you know, let's hope it's on, on maybe a less uh, dramatic <laughs> stance or reason. It's March 15th. Robin Hood is trading at $600,000 a share. Right. Right. Oh my God. And your friend has asked you, I've got $7 trillion of Robin Hood stock. What should I do? <laughs> I happen to be a multimillionaire because of my positions in Dogecoin. Uh, that I, oh, I forgot to say, in, I bought ten dollars so. of Dogecoin. I didn't right. tell you. Well, Excellent. back, back when you me can... and Jacob signed up for our Robinhood accounts in 2017, I bought ten dollars of Dogecoin, and that has had quite an increase uh, over the past few days. Wait, you already um, had ten dollars of Dogecoin? Ten dollars of Dogecoin in 2017 is when I did. You sell? No. Why? Because it's ten dollars, and there's no reason to sell. It will no, never go that this is lost high again. Money to me. Okay, that's what you say. When it's a fa- when it hits, if if it hit Bitcoin money, I know it never will. It's a totally different concept. Oh, I'm up but today. The dream in my mind of it hitting Bitcoin money, I would have seventy two million dollars if it did. If it reached yeah. Bitcoin level, oh, I bet you. Why are. sell? Why I bet sell? You were getting for, excited over the last couple of days. For a hundred bucks, why would I sell that? Why sell the ten dollars I put in? Dude. Not <laughs> so you I'll said on it in twenty seventeen. Matt disagrees, but sure. I, I, I'm ambivalent. <laughs> you were up. I, I know nothing about Dogecoin. I was up eight hundred and three percent this week. Holy shit! So I bet you can guess what happened to my ten dollars in Dogecoin. Yes. <laughs> I bought I can guess. almost exactly at the highest peak. <laughs> and I'm, now, I'm thinking Jacob probably needs to refrain from his Robinhood account. I'm now down 52%. That's the other thing I wanted to say. I pulled I pulled everything out of Robinhood. I was furious. Yeah. I pulled it all out. And now I was gonna ask if you boycotted him. I can't withdraw it. So I sold everything uh on Thursday, I want to say. Uh-huh. And if I go to withdrawals, I have zero dollars in withdrawable cash because sound what right. is what is brokerage cash what does that mean well, i think just like uninvested dollars in in your brokerage account probably that they're making money off of by the way yeah they're, that's one of their business models it's, it's, it's a fraud racketeering so and unsettled <laughs> I, I guess it's funds? not really a fraud they tell you they do it but you know i have 171 dollars yeah. of unsettled funds in my Robin Oh, Hood. I think it probably just hasn't like cleared yet. When did you make the trade? Like Thursday. I sold everything. I think it'll usually it takes a few days to, you know, settle. Because as as we talked about a moment ago, like uh trades clear two days after they were executed. So right. I, I like it's definitely your money, but okay. I think it'll just take a moment. So I, I, I have a confession to make. I have not uh extracted my money. I have not cast my vote against Robin Hood. I'm uh, switching yet. to E-Trade. The reason for like that, that is, is that I'm in a very comfortable position with what I have in Robinhood. Um, Penn National Gaming has has really 
made some exciting gains since March when I purchased at their low. So I don't feel comfortable taking it out now. I figure I'll just sit for a little longer. Long-term rather than short-term, sure. Um, sure. Tax implications. But uh, I, I think that I, you know, I, I disagree with what Robin Hood did, but I have not been moved to vote with my dollars, as Matt likes to say. <laughs> sure. Excellent. So stupid. All right. I think you should count us out, Matt. <clears throat> yeah, go for it. Okay. One, two, three, four. <laughs>